It doesn't matter if you love him or capital H-I-M. Just put your paws up. Because you were born this way, baby. Good afternoon. You are listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm your host, Andy Otto, and executive director of Twin Cities Pride. I want to welcome you to our show. Our goal is always to keep you in the know by hitting important topics, upcoming events, and let you know how you can get involved. But of course, we cannot ever start a show without saying good afternoon to my lovely assistant, Rena Heisel. Good afternoon, friend. Thank you. Good afternoon to you too, Andy. Um, and hello to all of our listeners out there. We are so excited because we have a fantastic program to bring you guys today. Um, we are joined in studio by artist, fashion designer, illustrator, I love it. children's author, uh-huh. very entertaining human being, Christopher Straub. Rena's over here fangirling it. Uh-huh. I'm just uh, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I know. Like, I've, yeah, two authors in a room and, and I'm in trouble over here. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Yeah. yeah, we're so excited to have you here today. Oh, this is going to be fun. Yes, my yeah. kids. So I was talking to them last night. My kids are mm-hmm. beyond jealous because I told them that I get I get to meet you in studio today Aww. because Albert the Confused Manatee is a very big book in my house. Oh, we love that. They mm-hmm. love it's it. It's well used. It is so well used it may be coming apart. All right. All right. <laughs> it is, it it's going to be a leaflet. Reader. It's going to be soon. a leaflet yeah. soon. But yeah. they have like almost to the point of memorizing it. That's so, great. Yes. What and, a delight. And we have the little Albert too because we can't have the book without the stuffed animal. I mean that was a big – uh, reason for me to write and illustrate was to make toys as well. <laughs> I love yeah. that. I love it. Yeah. Um, and just to let our listeners know, uh, we are going to talk to Christopher about his books and his art. Maybe talk a little bit about his time on Project Runway. Fine. Um, but maybe <laughs> just to kind of give us a little like Christopher 101, like where you're from and how you mm-hmm. got into the creative world of design. Well, I was – so I was born and raised in Edina, Minnesota, which is feet away from this studio. Yeah. Affectionately drove, known as Cake Eaters. Yes. My oh, my gosh. Yes. And I still I love cake. I know. I love cake to this day. And so, uh, yeah, I uh, uh, just – mom, dad, brother, you know, yeah. normal. And then uh, – and I, but I've always been an artist and I was published at age – it, I think it was nine oh. when I was first like I had an illustrating gig and it was this nationwide sort of like artist call for this um, charity Christmas card. Oh. And so we, I I feel like if I was telling this – I don't even know if this is 100% accurate because I don't even know if I could remember fourth grade, right? <laughs> but like I feel okay. like every kid in every school had to draw a picture in class and it was just like – mine was just sort of chosen or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was this thing called the Jiminy Cricket Foundation, which I tried to look up to see if I could find some more information and if it actually is linked to Disney because that would have been a cool thing. I I, can't, I literally can't find one, one entry on the internet about this foundation or whatever. Huh. But I still – I do have one card oh, that I did. Yeah, and so it was like cool. a snowman. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So you've been drawing since you were little. <clears throat> Forever. Yeah. That's Forever. Amazing. Mm-hmm. 
And at some point you decided this is what you wanted to do with your life. Yeah. Well, the – so I always wanted to be an artist. It, it didn't matter if it was illustration, if it was fiber art like clothing or if it was uh, sculpture, clay, any of that stuff. It always just was like I was just passionate about creating something. Mm-hmm. And so um, – but I had – I had always been a, an artist and my mom was an illustrator as well. Oh, She was a professional list, illustrator. And so she would – back in the day, so all of our Minnesota folks would know like Red Owl. Oh, like yeah. that. So she would um, – <laughs> like back then it wasn't as common. This was during the 80s. So mm-hmm. if I'm trying to sort of pinpoint a time, it wasn't as common to have – photography in ads. It was mm-hmm. illustrations. Mm-hmm. And so she would draw the tomatoes. She would draw the milk. Whatever was on sale that week and had to be part of the circular, she would illustrate. And then she would also illustrate for uh, Dayton's at the time. Mm-hmm. She oh, would gosh. draw – she would illustrate the dresses that were going to be in the catalogs or the advertisements. Oh. And so I remember I, being a young kid, my mom getting a, a – you know, a stack of dresses she had to illustrate and she would hang them up on our, again, another like 80s thing. Remember that fruit basket that always had like <laughs> bananas yes. in a kitchen? Yes. She would hang these like, I don't know if they were couture or just whatever, they were department store dresses right. on this basket and she would illustrate them. And if they were floral, oh. she had to go in and like add all the flowers and stuff. But like I would fall asleep oh. on the kitchen floor watching her draw these dresses oh my on a, hanging on a fruit basket. What an amazing impact that must have had. Uh, yeah. Well, it was, it was that point where I realized, like everyone else who said, oh, the only future an artist can have is an art teacher. And here I was watching my mom mm-hmm. draw. And so – and make money, I guess. I don't know. Right. <laughs> I don't you know just she, assumed at that point. She, yeah. yeah, she wasn't doing it for fun. Right. But, um, and so that was – that stuck with me in a way that like I don't know – like my kids are going to see that, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like I make a living um, you know, illustrating, drawing, creating things. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I imagine that if you hadn't experienced that, that it wouldn't occur to you that this could be your life. Right. Yeah. 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 I can draw a really awesome stick figure. All right, show me. <laughs> Prove it. Prove it. Mayday. Mayday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking how I amazing that would be as a kid too because I'm assuming your mom, most artists are generous mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. is letting you tinker with the supplies a little bit and letting you – Yeah. That was every gift, by the way, because my brother was the sports star. Oh, so it's like he got expensive, you know, pads and helmets and skates, and every, he did every sport. He had all these trophies, and like, but at the holidays, I would get those deluxe art kits, yeah. right? right, with the too many markers <laughs> and the pastels or whatever. Yep. You know, it's like it would just be, you know, it was always designed in some way to open up and make you feel like an artist yeah, and yeah. stuff. Because so I got that every year from every relative. And so it's because only, my only passion that I really put out there was mm-hmm. illustration. So where did you go on to school? Oh, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> no, no. So I didn't go yeah. to college. Uh-huh. I didn't know that this would come up. Thank you very much. Wait, no, wait, here's, a, wait, here's, a, here's a real funny story. Like this actually co- uh, sort of connects back to this education part is – so I graduated from Edina High School. But at that time, um, my father had passed away and we were not 
like we couldn't keep the lights on. We did not have money. So I was – so I had like debt with the school in the lunchroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I never – to this day, I, I graduated in 1997. To this day, I don't own my diploma. Wow. I have the empty portfolio. So I'm like, should I go to Edina High School and pay the seventeen dollars? No, or <laughs> yeah, so I think Here's it's me. Only, no, I think no. it's actually better to have the story that I that I don't have my diploma. And but, how things but. have changed because because now you know, I have seventeen dollars. Yeah. I, in my pocket right now. Yeah. 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 But, <laughs> but I think it's a good like sometimes your passion can lead to so much more. And uh-huh. I'm not discarding going to college, uh-huh. just saying that out loud. However, when your passion comes out in that, yeah. you can mm-hmm. do great things. And well, yeah. And I mean today too, I mean how things have changed because being that like eighties, nineties child the expectation was. It was. Mm-hmm. Now, I just – so I have a 15-year-old uh-huh. and we went to her um, freshman orientation at high school and they talked about college just a little bitty bit. College prep. Mm-hmm. They were talking about the trade schools and arts and mm-hmm. working with your hands and getting right. out there and jobs that are going to be sustainable because everybody will need an electrician. Yeah. Everybody will need these craftsmen. I'm glad that that's the conversation Yeah, because it wasn't in 1997 at Edina High School, which is essentially a college prep high school. It was at that time. Like the the GPAs were extremely high and they would – you know, I don't know if it's like shaming or whatever, but like they would give you your class ranking. Oh. So within your class of 400 kids, I was 279 or whatever. I was like 399. Yeah, Yeah, right. right. (laughs) I was like, I forgot all about that. But but that was the the standards were so high at that school that if you got one A minus, because there were so many kids getting straight A's, if you got one A minus, you were automatically 75th on that list. Oh my gosh. I think that's a real. That's real thing. I had yeah. blocked all that out. Yeah, this was turning into sort of a therapy Sorry. session. <laughs> You're wondering why we brought you here today. No, but this is for creative people, though. Mm-hmm. The whole college regimen was very, like, it and was I didn't know where I not... fit. Right. Yeah. Because, because it was so advanced AP calculus and oh. advanced AP European history and the sports and all that stuff. And, and then us artists, like we would – we didn't get the funding and so we would – like I remember having a class that was like metalsmithing and we made a ring. Well, if you wanted to keep your ring at the end of it, you had to weigh it and pay for the silver. Oh. If not, it goes back into the smelting or whatever the – whatever oh. the, the, that that – Crucible or whatever that thing was. You put was. your heart and soul so, into this oh. thing and now. Yeah. Okay, and you had you to like pay for your clay. You yeah. had to do all this stuff. And it's so funny because it's like that was such an affluent like school, but the artist didn't receive the funding. And that, this is not me being crybaby. Yeah, no, like, no, no, this no, no. Is, no, no. But this is but me sort of acknowledging waste even right, when yeah. I was like, OK, what do I have? <laughs> right. And um. to see maybe some of uh, – there's a long way to go, but the improvements as far as like lunch funding, mm-hmm. they yeah. wouldn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Now lunch no. is included. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. Oh, so yes, we're yes, going to – I know. We're going to get – No, let's this, keep so. talking about education <laughs> and funding. <laughs> okay. We're going to take a really quick break. <laughs> Fine. But stay tuned because when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation uh, with Christopher and hear more about your work. So you're listening to – 
Twin Cities Amplified on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. But cocaine don't love her back. When she's upset, she talks to Maury and takes deep breaths. She's a 90s. You are somebody that I don't know. But you're taking shots at me like it's Patron. And I'm just like, damn. It's 7 a.m. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950. I am your co-host, Rena Heisel. As always, I'm here with Andy Otto, Executive Director of Twin Cities Pride. And today we are joined by artist, designer, children's book author, Christopher Straub. Uh, one of the reasons we wanted to talk to Christopher today is because, uh, just to let everybody know, on February 25th, Twin Cities Pride, we are hosting our first ever book event the Queer Rights Book Fair at Urban Growler, and Christopher will be there. Be there. Yes, Christopher will be there. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about the book for book foyer in a little bit, but first we are going to turn the conversation back to Christopher. Yeah. So Hi. you <laughs> you were mentioning before we started the show that you wrote these books before you became a parent. Yeah, before I had kids. I have two boys now. They are uh, nine and ten, and when I wrote, it's it's interesting because the first book I ever wrote, I never published, and so it still mm. exists out. It exists like in paper form, and you know, yeah. in my archive. <laughs> but uh, but then I didn't at the time. I didn't feel confident about which is really this is a really weird thing for me to sort of say out loud. But like, I didn't feel confident about doing the illustrations for it. Oh. And because the subject matter, it had more human characters in it. Mm-hmm. And that is not – admittedly, that's not my strength, mm-hmm. right? And so I – it's sort of like I shelved that for a while and I sort of interviewed some people and got their take on it or whatever and started pricing out other illustrators, which is really funny because like that was why I wanted to do the book. So I don't <laughs> even know. But then <clears throat> it occurred to me I was on a trip – I was I was in I was on a plane mm-hmm. going from it was like the longest flight ever Rio de Janeiro to Greece. Oh, so oh. South America to Europe. That's a long wait. Is that flight. is my is that yeah yeah is that you're, you're geography geographying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and so and it and it was well, why don't I just what can I write that I know? And I was like, wait a second, I've been drawing a manatee, this exact manatee that that. You could go into a store right now and buy uh, at you know at independent bookstores or on my site. I've been drawing that manatee since I was a little kid, and I have those illustrations still. So not only do I have knowledge of this character, mm-hmm. I have the sort of muscle memory experience of drawing it over and over and over and over again. And so it was it, it just made sense. Like, oh wait, it's this manatee character, and. He doesn't even know what kind of animal he is. Mm-hmm. So that was like the basis. And then it was, oh, cool. I can sort of – I can in, uh, include in this book lots of compare and contrast, repetition. Mm-hmm. It can follow uh, what are called kindergarten readiness best practices. So mm-hmm. it's following different formats that are going to help kids in the process of learning how to read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so I, I completely – 
uh, wrote the thing, drew all the pictures, did all the layout. I even went and had like a sample produced. You know how like you can go to Walgreens and get like a picture yeah. book printed? Yeah. Yep. Like I actually did uh, get a a version of it printed just so I could physically turn mm-hmm. the pages and see how that looked and felt. Yeah. And so – and at that time, it, he didn't have a name yet. His It was – so the book was just called The Confused Manatee. Oh. And so I actually have a copy of uh, – like a one-off copy just called The Confused Manatee. Uh-huh. And, um, <clears throat> and then as I was doing the book, I, I kept having to use pronouns. So it was like – he or the manatee or whatever. And so – and yeah. I was like, how do I break that up? And it was like, oh, just put a name in there. <laughs> and so I have a – so I still have in my sketchbook some edits that I wanted to make to the book or something and a page of just names. And it was – my goal was grandpa names because oh. it's like – because it can't be like Tristan. You <laughs> yeah. know, like it can't be such a modern name. Like it has right. to be like something that feels comforting and which you've seen over and over and over again. And I was writing all these names and there were some really good ones. But then it just like – I had settled on – I think it was Eli or something or Eli or Elijah or something. And it was – and I was, so I was playing with Eli and the the book now is called Albert the Confused Manatee. But it, so I put Eli in, and it didn't fit the page right. Like it was, and because like here in Minnesota we're like Eli, Eli, oh, like and, yeah, and and then and then it just didn't take up enough space on the cover. And it's weird how like that's a legitimate 100%. thing for a book is is Layout. the way it yeah the way it's presented on a page oh. and the ease uh, how easily it can be read by somebody or interpreted, and so. The um, so then I I sat back and I thought what names do I have a connection to and I remembered I had this in high school <laughs> I had <laughs> speaking of being an oddball I had a pet hedgehog <gasps> and his name was Albert Pokey <laughs> and so uh, so the, my manatee is named after a hedgehog oh yeah. I yeah. love that story yeah. So So that's where that came from. I love hearing these creative – like to hear where the nuggets all stem from. It's so fascinating. There's reasons behind every single Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you've got Rocky and you've got Yodi. Yes, I've got Yodi and Yodi is unabominable, which is really fun to have a three-year-old try to say unabominable. Unabominable. Yeah. And so – and then with that one, it's called the unabominable Yodi about a lovable Yeti who teaches kindness. That's what makes him unabominable. But the the name Yodi is actually – that was made up – that was was said to me by my kids because we were driving – and we live in the country and we're driving and one of my kids was two or three years old, looked out the window and he saw a coyote and he said, Yodi. And I go, write that down. <laughs> <laughs> and so so that's the, like, that's, that's golden. Where, that's right. So it's like oh. that whole thing was around. So my kids had, uh, you know, at that point in, in my writing career, I guess you would say, I had kids and I wrote that specifically for them, a message of kindness and a much quicker read than the first couple books. <laughs> Yeah, super. Oh, yeah. that's. I was going to be my one of my next questions is yes. I was just wondering <clears throat> your motivation for your books all seem to follow these characters as they are learning or growing. Yes. Like, uh-huh. is there a part of you that like you wanted to come up with that kind of story, or you felt called to tell that story, or where that comes from? The the hardest pill for me to swallow is calling myself an author. 
Like yeah. because I had been an illustrator for forever and I feel like the author title would sort of like take away from the illustrator part of it. Mm-hmm. And so – and and real the real reason for me to like – to create these books initially, the need was that at the time I was a illustrator for hire and I was working for companies that I cannot talk about on this yep. – on these airwaves. <laughs> um, but they would commission the pieces – um, get me to create them, and then they own the rights. I could put and not put my signature on one thing. And I go, what is the legacy that I have as an illustrator if I have nothing to show for it? And so the children's book was really to solidify the legacy of me being an illustrator in a book. And so the for me, the drawings came first. The story followed the drawings, and then you know all the periphery that goes with it with. You know, the toys, the yeah. blankets, the hats, the pins, all the stickers, all the fun stuff. That's amazing. The stickers that we have on our computers. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I walk in and I love see them. my characters. Yeah. Yeah. We have so many people that are listening right now yes. that I should <clears throat> mention. Um, Christopher's illustrations are, like, downright adorable. They're the kind of creatures that make you go, oh. So I was they're, going they're for not, adorable. Yeah, they're not, like, the SpongeBob, like, kind of like, eh. No, these are like they they're just adorable. they make it's you the go, big oh. eyes. Yeah, it's the it's the big gleaming eyes. Like there is yes. something to that. When when someone walks up to a booth of mine, if I'm selling my stuffed animals, they walk up and they can't help but with two hands grab yeah. a stuffed animal and mush it. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. That yep. is that is the interaction that I want. Whether they're. Uh, you know the the demographic, I guess you would say. So the kiddos that might be reading the book, or the parents, the grandparents, or just people who love cute things. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I'm about to have one of these Yodis on my desk. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, he's so cute. Yes, and the he's so cute. Yeah, he's a star. That Yodi character. It was, um, uh, you know, because both of my. My first two storybooks were a platypus and a manatee, and I would constantly get the questions of, are you from Australia? Are you from Florida? <laughs> and so it was very deliberate like to, to, to focus in on a character that could live in our environment. Yeah. And so having a Northwoods character has really sort of expanded the eyeballs because people who might not be – a customer for the books still love the stuffed animal or they still love that creature on a pin or a, a, a baseball cap or a T-shirt. Right. Yeah. Or a blanket. Exactly. I, the merch that's on your site is just so sweet and so cute. Thank you. It looks very snuggly. Well, and I was yeah, – They are. <laughs> you had posted something the other day talking about the care that you take to create these animals. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were talking about like you know centimeters down oh, on on arms and things like yes. that. Like it's it became very important to you that it's right, right. Well, so like it's it's interesting because I have the <clears throat> perspective of I'm a designer who can actually like sew stuff. Now, how do I convey the idea of my character to a factory, right? Mm-hmm. And so, how do you? Make them understand what I'm seeing versus what they're seeing and all that stuff. Because if I'm going to do a stuffed animal that's going to be in a child's hands, they can't be handcrafted. They have to be made in a facility with child safety standards Mm -hmm. in place. They have to all go through the testing. Every individual piece has to go through this um, ASTM testing. You'd think I'd know this stuff by now. But like it is – uh, but it's kind of a delight to have a factory kind of focused on 
uh, you know, making something that I produced that literally came from like my hands and my brain. That's so incredible. So when you're talking about like dialing in to make sure those eyes are exactly the right width, exactly the right size, bring that arm down, that shoulder has to look this way. Otherwise, it looks too shrugged. And Mm -hmm. so really dialing that in is kind of a fun part. And you can can follow this process. Like I've been posting more and more behind-the-scenes stuff on my Instagram at schmistifer. Um, Yeah, on Instagram or – you know, yeah. Twitter X, whatever we're calling it, right. whatever we're calling it. Yeah. These days. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we'll put, we'll post some information about all of our episodes too. So make sure listeners, yeah. you will be able to find at Schmistifer. At Schmistifer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, like how it's spelled. I don't I, know. I don't know. I, I love Just it. Type in tri- Christopher Sarabin. Yeah, yeah. There you you'll go. Find there it. you go. Um, so something that is so interesting to me is, um, cause I have been to many, many writing conferences yes. and talked to many, many authors and we all sit there and talk about with the kind of dreaminess. Oh, I can't wait to hold a book that has our words, mm-hmm. you know, our book, our book. For you, this is amplified like three times mm-hmm. because you have your illustrations. Mm-hmm. And then you get to hold your plushies. Mm-hmm. And you get to see all this other st- – like you have this whole vision. It's like a world of characters and <laughs> merchandise and all yes. that stuff. And yeah, I'm creating all – I'm designing every single thing and then handing it off to – the, you know, the appropriate people, whether it's pins or stickers or, or plush or printing books. Right. Gosh, it's, that has to be just amazing when you get to that first batch of plushies back. And So how did you go from – so which, I guess which yes. came first, designing things like this and clothing or books? Both. All at once. Yeah. Well, I think if, if we're thinking in in kind of a contemporary way, all this stuff – I'm creating all the time. Yeah. Because right now we're talking specifically about books and factory-made stuffed animals. Yeah. I'm still at home hand-making teddy bears out of people's clothing, you know, memory bears mm-hmm. for loved ones. And mm-hmm. like I'm still doing all that – or like – one-of-a-kind dance costumes for somebody doing a performance. And all of this stuff is all happening at the same time. I just am compartmentalizing all of these things and being a parent and right. being a husband and yeah. trying to run a business. And, 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 Everybody with the side hustle. Uh-huh. I feel like that's what we've learned with every guest on our show is that they do 900 things all at once. All of it. All of it, all day, every day. We do have a theme of having incredibly busy people on this program. We do, now but I think it's, it. it's so impactful. Yeah. And I, you know, I look at these books and I think of the lessons, especially in our community, that they teach and that it's okay. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's okay to be Albert the Confused Manatee mm-hmm. and, and figure things out or, you know, the, the confused platypus or the kind Yodi. Right. right. Like it's all and in my house and my kids, all of our books are really focused on being a better person. Yeah. Right. Like we're I literally have shelves of books about being kind and being authentic and who you are. And, you know, you've done such a great job at this age level to do that. And so I commend you on that because I, I, I don't know. I couldn't do it. So it's I am it's, not the writer in the room. Coming <laughs> up saying. with. It is a gift to come up with a way to convey a story uh-huh. and mm-hmm. convey a message. And I just – I it is fascinating to me that first it started with you with the characters and these mm-hmm. creatures. The drawings. And these and, like yeah. – right. And then the story that follows and how cool that must be to see little kids just snuggle in and like listen to those stories. Well, and- I – that – like – 
I get fan mail, like from Aww. parents, grandparents, from educators, and they're you know like uh, with the the Manatee book. In in the book, he encounters and compares and contrasts sort of you know features mm-hmm. with eighteen animals. Well, that is. For for some teachers, that's a whole month worth of education. Yeah. So yeah. they'll do a unit, a month-long unit, using my book as a guide. And so every day they're reading one page and then they're learning more about each of the two animals, you know, the manatee and whatever the, the – you know, the sea turtle, the alligator, the um, the seahorse that are in the book. They're learning they're spending that whole day learning everything they can about seahorses. It's so awesome because there's also the socio-emotional <clears throat> learning they talk a lot about in the kids' books is what kid isn't sitting in their class comparing themselves to every other kid right. in the room. Oh, that kid can draw really well. That kid's super good at hockey. That kid can sing. What can I do? You know what? Mm-hmm. Right. What, and you just sit there and then you finally find the people or the friends you relate with and you're like, hey, you know, we're all right. Yeah, I belong with the, this. Yeah. Um, you know, I d- identify with this. You right, know? right. And, so, and, so I, and that's part of that sort of fan mail thing too is not only the education part but I have people um, or educators that say this is the favorite book of that child in my class that is whatever the cl- the – you know, oh, they're the only person of that religion. Yeah. They're yeah. the only person in a wheelchair. They're the only mm-hmm. person who is this, this, or this. And so that those exists. Right. And yeah. so it's it's nice that you know, I'm I, if I were to project what I thought the goal was, it not necessarily was that. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone found in it what they wanted. Right. Which. That's what makes Probably it. Probably why it's so yeah. successful. Yeah, why it's so successful. <laughs> right. Yeah. You want to learn about sea creatures? You want to have a little feeling of camaraderie with this uh-huh. manatee? It's like all right there. All right. So, so oh. I know everybody wants to know. Yeah. How did you end up on Project Running? <laughs> How did I end up on? I did this drawing in fifth grade. No. Oh. The, <laughs> the um, Well, that was a business decision. Yeah. Right. Like it was. Yeah. If if I was going to put myself on television, it was like it was going to amplify my business. Like mm-hmm. that was the goal. Like I don't. I, the the side effect was being famous. Like for me, it was yep. the goal was go on there, get as many episodes as I could. Yeah. Like it wasn't even like I wasn't even trying to like win a season of a TV show. Like that never occurred to me. And so it was, okay, well, I'm a designer. I would like to work as an, a designer or artist or whatever. Like I'll do this this TV show. And I applied. I had first seen uh, season two on TV. So I applied for season three, four, five, and six. And every time I applied, I got further and further in the process. Oh, and then and then I got on season six, which taped in 2008, aired in 2009. And I sort of jokingly say, like, I'm still cashing those checks. Like, I'm still getting business off of that appearance. And yeah. and I was on TV for 14 weeks straight. Yeah. I made it all the way till I was um, eliminated the episode before the finale. But then they brought me back to help sew the final collection. So it was on every single um uh, episode, but that was also in a time before social media was what it is today. Yeah. So how now, like, you know, somebody going on a, you know, American Idol or Drag Race or something like they instantly have hundreds of thousands of followers. Like, I got emails. 
Yeah. I, I woke up and I had 700 emails after the first day. That is something to think about. Yeah. Fast. And I, I read every single email, replied all to all of them. And, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. That was before Twitter wasn't didn't exist back then and um, Instagram certainly didn't. Facebook was pretty new. I shut down. I had a uh, MySpace and I shut down my <laughs> MySpace so I'd have less yes. to worry about. Right? Gosh. Good old MySpace. Good old MySpace. Oh, Good old MySpace. how fast that technology I has know. changed. Like, just, it wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really important to take from that. It's okay to self-promote. And and that was the purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, and, it, and also I felt um, comforted in the fact that it was, that this was an investment in my career future stuff. 100%. It wasn't – like I wasn't on there just to be – just to disrupt the cast and hawk a <laughs> lip gloss. It wasn't that, right? right? Like it was – I was on a competitive reality show, <clears throat> kind of like a Top Chef or American Idol. Like I had a business – a skill with a business attached to it. Yeah. And so that was the goal. And a very talented skill. Well, well, yeah. Enough to keep me going. Yeah. yeah. I mean – And yeah. still to this day. Like, I mean, that's day. the thing. Like, I'm st- I did, I'm not one of those people that just – there are people from my season and other seasons that I'm pretty convinced never sewed a day after being on TV for whatever reason. Hmm. Yeah, I don't that's understand That's interesting. That. Like, like you, you feel like you made it up so far up that hill. Just keep going. Because but- the, if, if there's not an instant return, it's like how much you work at it. And the thing yeah. that for me, I kept working at it. Right. Right. Uh Well, and I think that's a really good message, too, as far as being a creative person and championing yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, like creatives just get taken such advantage of. It's, Mm -hmm. oh, will you do this for the exposure? Yeah. Oh, will you, you know, and 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 I I have like I look back at all the projects I did for free and then and, Mm -hmm. and the wisdom that I would impart on my own kids or anyone else that's going through those experiences, too. Yeah. yeah, we have to pay our artists. Uh huh. Have to pay our. And I'm artists. a big champion for that. Like yeah. even within the other um, designers in Minnesota, yeah. like mm-hmm. if they're using I, I, this, I don't, I don't, I don't want to like put anyone down. No. If 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 um, our names are being used to sell tickets, then. You should get paid. That's right. Then, then uh, you know, it would be like a band. You yeah. have to pay a band to perform. Mm-hmm. Same thing with us designers or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, we started a program, Artist in Residency, which we're still trying to work out. But again, it was to uplift and amplify mm-hmm. the voices of these artists to say, hey, you know what? They deserve that pay. They deserve that recognition. Right. And right. we need to stop mm-hmm. using them in a way that's just not cool. Well, I know that's one that since Andy came on as ED last year is just trying to create more spaces. Like we're doing mm-hmm. the Queer Rights Book Festival, like just trying to create more places, book more mm-hmm. venues, try right. to have more places where people can gather and not only make friends, but like check out some cool art and books. And Well, and also to showcase that that it exists here. Yes. yes. Because the, cause that's. The, the biggest question that I would get from a fan or whatever, and they're like, oh, are you in L.A. now? Are you in New York? Are you – because they think that that's the only place where you – where success is allowed. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that you're able to – and here we're living in a day where it's – it's you know, we do so much digitally now right. yeah. that like you don't have to necessarily be in – like if you're, if you're working in the clothing industry, you don't have to be – in the heart of New York to develop samples or whatever. Right. You can right. do that all, you know, with the communication uh, 
you know, at our fingertips, all of us. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So with that, our time Ooh, yep. goes so incredibly fast okay. here at the studio. We're going to take another break. But when we come back, we'll talk more with Christopher about the future endeavors. Yes. So you're listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And I learned how. We are back and you're listening to Twin Cities Pride Amplified on AM 950. I am your co-host, Rena Heisel, along with Andy Addo, ED of Twin Cities Pride. We've been having an awesome conversation with Christopher Straub, designer, kids author, illustrator. Um, we just learned... Duck Wrangler. Nathan's hot dog eating champion. No. Oh, my God. I was God. like, are you really? <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> oh, that's, so, like, that's a whole other episode right there. But anyway, so we want to make sure we talk about anything uh, upcoming that you might have. Any new projects in the works or? Yeah, new book. <gasps> I guess that if, if we're talking about books. Yeah, yeah like a book. So I'm writing the next book. Yeah. Uh-huh. Can we Exciting. get any tidbits about it yet, or is that I don't, don't want to give too much away? Because here's the is thing: it is it another picture book? Yes, it's an, okay. it lives in the world of, of my existing books. And while I'm developing that one, I'm also reprinting um, and republishing all of my books, all in hardcover, all the same size. Yay. So, like, it's gonna look nice on a um, you know bookshelf for yeah. kiddos. Because the uh, and then I, I'm going to be standardizing the si- uh, size of the stuffed animals too, so it's like it's going to be sort of clear across the board. Because at the beginning of this, I didn't I didn't have a price point in mind, and so I just mm-hmm. developed products that I thought were would look great or whatever. And so now I'm starting to go like, all right, what is easy for someone? What's an easy price point for someone to pick up a book and a stuffed animal as a gift for a child? Have it hand personalized and hand signed by the author, mm-hmm. and so. That is sort of the driving force. It's like, okay, what do what do people want to spend for this? Because originally, I think my my books and my stuffed animals, I think at the right when I put them out, they were like it was the bundle price was like thirty five or thirty seven dollars. It was mm-hmm. kind of there, and now I want it to be twenty. Yeah. And so, what do I have to do to get to that twenty dollar? But people love hardcover. Yeah. yeah. You know, parents love hardcover, and so it's um. You know, so I have to spend more here and spend less here and do all the math. It's see, that's the part about being a business. Yeah, like oh. you're not yep. just a creative; you're the math guy too. Yeah, so yeah, nobody, you have to wear all the hats. Oh my gosh, social media person, uh, answer right. emails person, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. all of it. It's yeah, customer thing. service. It's yep. like you're dealing directly with right. the customers. You're dealing with businesses on wholesale orders, and right. If somebody drops the ball, you have to reprimand yourself. I, it's me. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's me. <laughs> Exactly. Like, shame on you. Bearing yeah, all exactly. of this stuff. And so, yeah, so I have the next book and then – but I, I'm cautious about saying it even though it's – I'm very uh, – the trajectory is in this one direction. But also over the past year, it's been two other directions with two other mm-hmm. sets of critters. And so it's like, hey, which one do I pull the trigger on first? And oh. so I stopped telling people because I'd be like, get ready for ducks and then – and then there's not going to be. And a then duck. it's an elephant. It's, it's not going to be a duck. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> and it's something totally different. Not going to be a duck. So, okay. 
I get that. But you yeah. you make appearances other places. I actually saw you at Little Ruse, which is where oh, we originally yes. got Albert the Manatee uh-huh. and the stuffed animal that my kids have not let go. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're you kind of all over the place. All sometimes. over the place. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like as a as an author, mm-hmm. you know, people love to meet. The people mm-hmm. behind the products, right? Yeah. And so I, I've learned, like, when I show up, that's when people buy. Mm-hmm. And especially with something like a book that can be personalized and be hand-signed. It's different with different merchandise or products or whatever. But, like, it, um, I realize how valuable it is for me to show up. So I can't mm-hmm. ever send a team Somewhere, I know that it's. I, I don't even know who would go. I'm sending you two. That's, that's you're my. Team. We, we will. We will champion you. Yeah. Yep. I, the team is me. Yep. Fill up and, my trunk with the little plushies. Exactly. I know. I'll be, I'll, we I'll we may not show up. I'll do a count. Yeah. I'll definitely get a pre- account before and after. And so, like doing an event like at Little Ruse, where it's a drag queen story hour, like yeah. that's yeah. that's that aligns perfectly with me. Because of the messaging and also my connection to the queer community, but also I don't have to do the reading. Yeah, because that's do you yes. do do you, I know you're a, you're an author. Have you done readings? I have. Yes, you just did one the other day. I just did one the other day from work. It actually is um, World Read Aloud Day. They call it, but it's kind of all of February mm-hmm. where we're getting all these. Um, it's huge in the middle grade. Yeah. My book is middle grade, so it's a novel. And it's usually they want to hear the first couple pages. Yeah. And you are. You're just like, don't stutter. Don't trip over your words. Like, yeah. Like, you're supposed to be an expert. This is supposed to be the purest form of this thing. Like, I don't like that. And one time I had a librarian read my book and I was like, you're hired. Yeah. Right. Like, you, it's like a librarian or a teacher. They go up and they go down and they make voices. Yes. And like, they do all that stuff. And I, that's not, as much as I can do that with like my kids and other stories, for me to do it with my own story feels a little, it, it's like, it's almost like self, yeah. you know, like, yes. Well, I and get that. there's just something also that's super selfish and rewarding as an author, hearing somebody else read your words. Cause mm-hmm. you're like, oh, that's how they did that character's voice. Mm-hmm. That, I like that. Or whatever. When you yeah. hear somebody else reading your words too, there's something that's just like, oh. I lo- is it yeah, weird I like to be that. like, that's not how I heard them sound? There, in there my is, head. there is that too. But like when you, when, when you get somebody who commits fully <laughs> to it, you just, it doesn't, it doesn't even sound like you anymore. Like it's, right. but if they were to, if they were to read it, like I would read it, I'd be like, you, you, you need to pronounce that whatever. <laughs> or like speed it up, honey, you know, whatever right. that thing is. Yeah. But when someone can take it and completely like make it their own, like it really mm-hmm. was like, I don't need to be here. Like I, what yeah. a delight. I don't need to do this anymore. Like this is somebody else can do this. It's funny though because you're right. There's something though that about having that author there because reading and especially picture books and bedtime stories is a very personal cozy mm-hmm. like it's a different relationship than with another piece of merchandise and right. it, meeting the author meeting who wrote it created it and illustrated it i mean there's just something that's so fun about making that connection well cuz people are if you're reading it people are in real time uh, judging i don't know they're yeah. both learning and it's sort of like being a comedian right like oh, it's yeah. like oh Put what what are they what are they going to react to what or whatever but like when i did for the manatee book before i put that out i made a couple copies of it where i was doing sort of like focus group with like the kiddos that lived in the neighborhood and mm-hmm. stuff and so i learned something from that that 
when I turned the page, they figured out the rhythm very quick because there's repetition, mm-hmm. compare and contrast. When I turned the page, they wanted to be the first one to yell out that next animal. And so because oh. of that, when I was doing those readings, I would give them the opportunity to engage in that way where I, t- I would say like, all right, I'm turning the page. You tell me what you think it is. And I'd turn it and everyone would yell shark or whatever the thing that they know because then mm-hmm. the first statement is, am I a shark? Albert asks his sharp tooth friend or whatever right. the mm-hmm. description is. And But when they'd, get, when they'd get to an animal that they didn't know – like uh, in that one, the narwhal yeah. maybe yeah. is a little, maybe is a little more known now, but yeah. you know, ten years ago it was not as common. But they would go, eh, and you hear like seal, <laughs> like <laughs> a, a dolphin. You just hear these. Everyone's just like bunching up all these animals, and that was the fun part because you're truly educating, right? Yes. At that right. point, because you're learning about this real, th- you know, this real thing that they had not mm-hmm. known for before, which is more obvious in the platypus one because they're out, all outback animals, and there's some bizarre ones. If you have the original version, which was a hardcover, and now it's available in softcover. The hardcover had a lot more animals. It's like echidna. Like there's a a, there's like a flying squirrel in there. There's an animal called a qual and kookaburra. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so there's oh that a dugong. Yeah. Do you know what a dugong is? No idea. I have to explain this over and over again. In the book with the platypus, there's a dugong, which is an Australia New Zealand manatee with a dolphin tail. And they're much faster than a manatee. If you've seen a manatee in real life, it sort of floats yes. by you like a like debris, in the, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but the um, uh, but a dugong is very fast, like a dolphin. And I've seen them in real life, and they oh. are fast. So we are so out of time. Oh, we are so out of time. So we'll be back next week when we continue to dive into more topics here on Twin Cities Pride Amplified. Thank you all for joining us today. We'll talk to you next week. Let's take care of each other.